Well, well, well. Here we are. We're talking about the Eternals. You sound so excited. I am very excited, mostly because this particular conversation has been in the works actually for years. We, we've been trying to talk <laughs> to our illustrious guest about the MCU ever since Black Widow was first supposed to come out. And snafu after snafu, after Disney controversy, after MCU failure, we are finally here talking with filmmaker and content regurgitator, Boringstein slash Donald, here on Gamer Friends. I'm so excited. I am so excited to be here. Thank you both for having me. This is, this is, um, I am glad that we were finally able to make this happen because uh, I am... I am incapable of reading a calendar, um, <laughs> and I also just lost all sense of time in the past few years for some weird, unexplained reason. Yeah, um, it's, it's not, it's there's like, nothing uh, happening to the entire planet that would explain that. No, so it must be a you thing. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Speaking of happening to the entire planet, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's dive in. The Eternals is out, and everyone hates it. Let's dive right into shitty Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us. As a filmmaker, as an auteur, what did you think <laughs> of Miss Chloe Zhao's breathtaking take on the Eternals? Well, I think it's really clear that she's the next Terrence Malick, as Disney has been force-feeding us this line for, <laughs> you know, a year now, and it's a muscle of memory to think to say it, so I have to say it. Uh, it's No, I... Uh, it. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it's, 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 oh like, no! I don't know. Uh, it's I, I I actually don't. It's it's it, it's I I did my best to set aside my <laughs> preconceptions, but I think part of the reason you guys wanted me on uh, to talk about this is because I have a, a, a it would be polite to put as a hostile relationship with the MCU. You know, it's a, it's a one-sided one. It's like a, it's like an ant like trying to nip at a very large shoe. Uh, but that it's, is true. It's, uh, I feel like as someone who you know grew up reading a lot of a lot of comics, not like you know super fan. Like, you know, I didn't really have too much familiarity with the Eternals from from even my comics days. But like you know, enough to have opinions. Sort of watching the life get sucked out of all of this. Aside from the incestuous relationship that these films have with the Department of Defense and uh, and 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 everything, it's like I I, I I'm not coming in this unbiased, mm-hmm. but I really tried to have an open mind with this because while I didn't like Nomadland, I did like the writer. I think Chloe Zhao is a very talented filmmaker, even if you know it's hit or miss for me sometimes. The idea of one of these things being at all different or having some sense of character to it or a visual flair was appealing. Yeah, um, I just wish it did. It's right. Yeah. I I really feel like the fundamental issue here was hype. Yeah. I don't think if they had presented it as the second coming of movies that people would have had as strong of a reaction to it. Hmm. Yeah. The feeling I didn't expect to have coming out of this is feeling a little bad for Chloe Zhao. Mm. You know, getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, tens of millions of dollars or whatever for this shit. Um, but it's like, 
they kind of threw her under the bus with the marketing, I feel like, by putting it like <laughs> in retrospect, it feels like it's more like, okay, if this if this isn't great, this is on her. You yeah. know, it's an unfair thing, especially given it's very clear watching this, um, that half the scenes in the movie are not directed by her. Like the action scenes are just totally like, like with every Marvel movie, any kind of visual language that might have started to get established in the very long conversational scenes kind of just goes right out the window for the usual quick cuts and, you know, frantic CGI action Right. Uh, as soon as anything hops in. Yeah. It was like, I anytime I saw Makari, I just remember like watching the scenes of like her running and I'm like, why are you cutting every two seconds? Let me see her run. Like, I don't need to see it from 62 different angles. Like Zack Snyder... Actually, did it better. Yeah, that's actually one thing I kept coming back to Ugh. with this. Is it's kind of interesting. We now have two case studies in like ultra hyped movies that are like this is not true superhero movie with literally with both of them being compared to Malick movies in the hype cycle too. Um, with this and Man of Steel, and Man of Steel is a terrible movie, but Absolutely. I think I'd rather watch that than this because. <sighs> I actually, I think, I think if you cut an hour out of this one, maybe it wouldn't be terrible. There were. There, there were a couple things that I was pleasantly surprised by with this movie. Let me start out kind here because like, <laughs> yeah, what were those things? All this, I was talking about action. I actually thought the the very long action sequence at the end was more coherent than usual for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair, I, fair. The problem is oh, with a lot of these things, like there's nothing tactile about the fights at all. It's all like a it's like a laser show basically. Yes. There are ways to appreciate that sometimes, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I, I tried, you know, getting real stoned to try to really get into the, you know, just like caveman brain, like big flashy lights mode. And it still wasn't quite sticking for me. But there was at least like a change in some composition. Like there were some cool shots where it was like kind of playing with like, you know, focusing on, I think it was like, I remember who was pinning who, which yeah, that's, a, that's a sign of memorability but it's, it's, it's like it had some nice you know like you know sub- subjective perspective camera where like you know it rolled with them and it was kind of that was kind of cool but yeah. it felt like kevin feige's vision for what this movie should be and chloe zhao's vision for what this movie could be were in conflict and yes. to your point about how they kind of threw her under the bus i agree with you i don't remember any other director talking so much about how much freedom they had to do whatever they wanted. And it really does almost kind of seem like a Lucy in the football situation because Mm. Kevin Feige basically gets to say all the good stuff. That was me and everything that you didn't like. Well, the director got to do what they wanted. (laughs) Yeah. Weird artsy shit. I I have to say, in terms of positive things about the yeah. movie, on a purely identity level, seeing a black gay man in a relationship with another black man, or at the very least brown, with a brown child, like that meant something to me personally. Because it's just not what we see. There have been gay representations in superhero stories before, but obviously this coming to the MCU is a big deal for different sets of reasons. I loved those scenes, and I loved what they did with that particular part of it. And I appreciated that a gay family was one of the points about love that the movie was trying to make. I just wish that the rest of the movie (laughs) was good. And frankly, even that that part of it fit in better. Because initially, 
that character is like, no, I'm not going to help you save the world. And it's kind of like, do you realize that they're going to die if you don't? So you don't actually have a choice. Like if you, if you want to protect them, guess what you have to do? Why is this a discussion? Yeah, I definitely um, agree. I mean, I, I think Brian Terry Henry was definitely one of the standout performances as well, for sure. Like, I, it's you know, the material they were working with was like, it's a, it's a mixed bag for sure. But he really did <laughs> yeah. imbue a role that was, particularly his role presented some of the most challenging contradictions of plot. I would say, as you pointed <laughs> yes. out there, uh, it's, not, it's not the only moment that he has some curious moral conclusions. But you know, he, he you know, like there, that 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 little interlude. At his home is really nice. Um, totally, it's kind of all over the place. It seems like there was a mood Zhao was going for, and there were a lot of notes for adding humor that just doesn't fit at all. No. Correct. I'm glad that Kingo walked out in the middle. Not yeah. because it made sense, because it didn't fucking make any sense at all that he would walk <laughs> away. But, like, can you imagine the final battle with finger guns? I just thought that that power was yeah. embarrassing. I couldn't believe it. It's, they couldn't think of anything better than finger guns. <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> that they this was something way funnier than Kingo dying. Happens. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I so badly wanted. Like I, I came in here telling myself, okay, no matter what actually happens, I'm going to insist Kingo died during the entire podcast. But this is so much funnier. <laughs> like it's so much dumber. That yeah. he just walks off. He really I, just doesn't come no. back. And you do, and he's, the he worst said, part is you don't miss him at the end. No, <laughs> you really don't. There's so much going on. I, oh man. It, it was it was it was a little bit of a mess. And I also just kind of feel bad on a personal level for Kumail because mm. he's been taking a lot of heat publicly, <laughs> which has been largely funny. But you know, I, I do kind of feel bad. And then also he got ripped to do Look, that. If y'all put me on the Marvel diet, I got to starve myself for half a year and work out eight days a week for finger guns. And Brian yeah. Tyree Henry me, was making... Give me one shirtless scene. <laughs> True. I would, I would like, I have to like, put some CGI, like make them look good, at least in one... Because I'd be like, God damn, like, what was all this for? And yeah. Brian Tyree Henry was all over the place talking about oh, I asked them if I had to lose weight and they said, no, we want you just the way we are. And it was like this whole sentimental thing about body positivity in the MCU. And after I saw the movie, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> did, did Kumail just do it for fun? Maybe he no. just decided to do it. In interviews, at first I was skeptical of this because it kind of sounded like so insane that like, or not insane, like, that's, that's actually a mean way, but I actually, the, the, the logic he has is very sympathetic I would say, even if it's like kind of like, okay, this seems like overkill. Like he's, I think he said it's like, you know, I never see anybody who looks like me as a superhero. I wanted to be like, kind of have that kind of gravitas as a superhero or something to that extent, which that makes sense. I get it. Like, I worry about his physical health doing that. Yeah. yeah. Like, just like I worried about like, you know, Rob McElhinney, like, you know, gaining and losing 50 pounds for Sonny or whatever. Like, it's like, it seems like, don't, don't break yourself over this. But like, for all the making fun of Kumail, which I've done plenty of for this as well, I like him a lot as a comic actor generally, though. Like, and he, he tries here, but yeah, God, the lines they give him are just, just Not fucking good. The material just is just awful. Wet. Oh, so bad. Like, everyone, I know everyone's making fun of like the, that Ikea line, which, and rightfully so. But like, it's not. It doesn't even register on like the top like ten worst like you know riffs in the movie. Like it's like, oh god. I completely agree. I also, I don't know how to express how much I dislike that one of the characters 
betrays the entire team because they have a crush. You are mm-hmm. an immortal being who has lived for millions of years and you have a crush. I don't get it. Yeah. And also like, I like the nice vertical integration of the Tinkerbell stuff too. You know, Disney really <laughs> just wants to remind you that there are many of your properties and brands you can, you can, ah! you can enjoy on Disney plus. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny. I'm really sad now. I'm really sad. <laughs> like there's this, the star Wars book they were reading too. And like, it's like, it's just like, it's like a lot of bunch of like, like, Oh God. Yeah. Apparently the death star was in the background of one of the scenes where I kind of like that. Artifacts. Actually, that's, that's a pretty good bit. I, <laughs> I forgot to mention, I'm trying to go easy on the visual effects stuff because you know, for un- unknown reasons, um, I got some like Vaseline on my glasses or something. And so the whole time I'm watching it, it looked like a 720p camera. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, I-, I watched it legally in a theater, of course. Of course. Um, of course. It was, it was like a, the speakers were actually, it was interesting, like performance art kind of thing, but the speakers also like sounded like they were underwater, hmm. uh, which I thought was an interesting choice by the theater as well. Um, you know, well that's we, funny. Actually, we had a very similar experience. We did have a very similar experience. <laughs> And here's the thing for me. So I, this is the first real MCU movie that I was not a fan of. And it it really hurts to say that out loud and to commit that to tape. And it it really does break my heart. It's okay. Yeah. That being said, you know, so we saw it at the drive-in theater because I don't believe in enclosed spaces right now. Uh, that's understand. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know why you think that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something is going on in the world. Who knows? Um, and so, and I'm watching this thing, and you know, I the story, as we said at points, many of them didn't make sense. And I, you know, I'm I'm not the type of person who has to be like, well, the story has to be like airtight, right? Like. I just, I'm just like thinking about this movie, especially like thinking about Dune also playing on like yeah. a different screen. And like the story for that yeah. was like whatever, but like it was like visually striking and like the music was like grand and there was other things to kind of like sink your teeth into if it wasn't, you know, some complicated story. And it, I wonder if like watching it at home, I'll feel differently, but I did kind of like, was like looking back at Dune and I was like, no, I I just don't like nothing really just hit for me, you know? It 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 kind of just like plopped like a wet blanket. And yeah, that sucks. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> no. sorry. Even with my documented MCU like hater stance, like I I I'm not rooting for these movies to be bad. Yeah. Like, we're going to get them either way, so I'd rather they be good. And I also, like, you know, I appreciate people who, like, really love this stuff. Like, my, my brother loves these movies, too. Like, obsessed with these movies. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to see this with him, actually. It just didn't work out. But, like, I figured it'd be a nice counterbalance to my uh, cynicism. But, like, <laughs> I I definitely, like, get the appeal. And, like, there are a couple I've had, I've had, I've had a good time with, you know. But, like, I kept thinking about that Dune comparison, too, the whole time. Because I actually... I, I think the Dune adaptations, it's like it's flawed, but I had a really good time with it overall. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it, honestly. Uh, but it's like structurally, they're very similar. You know, they say the, the the dense opening crawl for both. You know, it's like a lot of location, like really structurally similar, actually. So it's just very fascinating how different the feeling can be. Just like both were kind of stretching thin on the ensemble cast. But yes. like yes. none of these characters in Eternals really grab me. 
at all. Like it's, I, I, you, you, you couldn't really feel like you settled in with any of them. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the, the Cersei for me, and then again for largely personal reasons, Fastos. Um, yeah, Gilgamesh was really hot. Uh, so yeah, that was some you know very sad that he died because it would be wonderful to continue looking at him. However, too too too, too hot to live. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even if they didn't grab me, at the very least, I thought Angelina Jolie did a good job with what she was given. I thought Selma Hayek did a good job with what she was given. I just didn't particularly care about what they were dealing with. Um. Just to pivot, well, not a little bit, quite a bit. I do want to talk about not the film as a film, but the film as an MCU movie. Yes. One of the things that I was most worried about going into this was how much bullshit is their Thanos explanation going to be? And I (laughs) thought that that was the least ridiculous part of the overall plot in terms of what I thought was bullshit that they were just trying to retcon or get away with. Mm -hmm. Um, That wasn't really what was at issue. What is at issue to me is the direct conflict with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I don't understand how Ego, who is theoretically a celestial, you can argue that he's not really a celestial, but according to the movies, as far as you know, he's claiming to be a celestial why would he do that to Earth if Earth was being seeded for a celestial? That doesn't track to me in the overall universe of things. And then also, uh, we were wrong. We thought that <laughs> Aramesh was Galactus going into this. I am embarrassed. Well, it, I'm not embarrassed that, because I, I'm I, embarrassed. I, I figured that too. Like just going <laughs> as a casual observer, like I, I just figured, okay, it's gonna. This is. I, I, I even re, I, until we actually watched, I just assumed it was Galactus. Yeah, until it, I saw. Yeah, you know, seeing all the stuff in the promo, I was like. And frankly, even after they said the name, I was like, oh, this is a fake out. It's it's actually Galactus. <laughs> That's just his space name. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the movie goes on and on and on and on. I'm like, oh wait, I don't think I don't think that's it. I have to Google this after these post credits. No, it's it's definitely not Galactus. <laughs> but like, I don't know what to do about something like that. They have essentially introduced a god into the MCU. So How much many of gods the MC- are there at this point? It's well, like all gods, many. right? I'm- I mean, there's definitely a lot of gods, but like creating stars like that's yeah. a different level of power and then like it brings for me like what if like the watcher is like sad about certain adventures but isn't sad that the earth got eaten up right by, like because <laughs> there's got to be a timeline where they didn't do where they didn't save the day so what's the deal like i don't know There's I just, just it's almost like the mcu is getting a little too big for its britches and i was concerned about space stuff when they started doing Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I was okay with it because I thought they handled Thanos well. But now I'm kind of like, what the fuck is even Carol Danvers going to do about this? (laughs) Like, what are you, like that motherfucker could snap his fingers and y'all are gone. So what, what does that mean? And maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat and I'll be satisfied. 
But like for the first time in a while, I am concerned <laughs> about yeah. what's going to happen next. The, the MCU is kind of like, it seems like it's managed to successfully replicate the problem that both DC and Marvel had in the in the 80s and 90s of just like complete oversaturation of, of alternate universes and like, you know, conflicting timelines and such. Right. Which you know did actually spawn some 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 of the more interesting stuff to come out of those in comics too, but like also a lot of dog shit. I guess what's confusing about it to me is that the Eternals very much feels out of place with like all the multiverse stuff that they're that they have set up between Loki and uh, What If, and what I'm assuming will continue in the next Ant Man movie will continue in Multiverse of Madness, Madness, whatever the fuck they're calling it. The next Spider-Man movie, and like Eternals is just like out here, yeah, you know, like I, hanging out. It, it bothers me that there is an alternate universe where all those same characters, just as powerful as they are, are just like hanging out somewhere. I don't know. It, it's it's like power creep. We talk about this in video games generally a lot. Uh, mm. especially MMOs, where in order to retain the player base, they need to introduce a new weapon that's much better than any other weapon that currently exists. But then everyone starts to use that, and so they don't use anything else, which means that if they want to introduce another new weapon, it has to be better than the one they just released. Joe Tim! So, <laughs> you don't even fucking know what that means. I know, but yeah, I hear you screaming all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's like MCU <laughs> power creep at this point. I, I I don't know. Yeah, they got they got to set green screens to limited one. You know, it's just like it's, it's too. You know, I do like it's the a theory. Degenerate, degenerate loop at this point. <laughs> I do like the theory that they're setting up multiple teams and that there's going to be like a space team and a terrestrial team and a young Avengers team and stuff like that. That's all fine and well and good, but at the same time. Is Kang that much of a threat when a god is hanging out in the background? I don't know. Seems like that's the bigger threat to me. That's the thing. Like the thing for me that is really like as the resident hater here, you know, it's like <laughs> it's hard to take him seriously on the stakes anymore. Like how many times have it been like this is the world ending threat? Like I've I've lost count. Yeah. But for me, actually, one of the things that did bother me about this movie particularly. It's clear they're going for some kind of like a vague, ill-conceived climate change allegory, and not only does it not land, I, I think it's like actively awful in some I did ways. Peep I, that <laughs> they were like the Earth is warming up because the celestials in the middle of it, and I was like, yeah. y'all, come on, yeah, I mean, that, which like that makes sense, but then like <laughs> directly tying it to like the Earth has reached this optimal population, and we must cut. I mean, it's like. We already went through this week with those Avengers movies. Like it's like the second time they're going to the Earth overpopulation. Well, which yeah. is a little. More than a little distressing to hear from the multinational media conglomerate that works hand in hand with Department of Defense. Um, <laughs> right. It's like with like uh, Frank Miller comics. The first time you read one, it's like, oh, he's just using tropes or whatever. It's like, oh no, okay, this is this is what you are. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, uh, I'm 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 good. I don't need to read any more of these. <laughs> I think, ironically, it connects to the other major point about the MCU that I wanted to make, which was. They dropped the ball on making Thanos a more interesting character because, you know, what I know about the comics, which is not, a, I, I did not read the one Eternals run. I have not read it. I only vaguely know about what all the relationships are. But my understanding is that Thanos is related to this group of people that 
the originating group was from Titan or interacted with Titan in some way, whatever. And the end credit scene where Harry Styles shows up and was not obnoxious. I was like expecting to hate him uh, in that role. And yeah. I, and it, he was fine. It, whatever. It's fine. So <laughs> I was kind of thinking, oh, they're going to make the argument that Thanos secretly knew about this and that his justification about overpopulation was bullshit. It really was just a way to prevent this from happening. That could have been a very interesting conversation for those characters to have. And it didn't come up, and it really bothered me because while they want to drop the Infinity Stones, and I get that, Thanos keeps coming up in Phase 4. He was in What If? He was referenced in several other movies, obviously because the snap had such a big impact on the universe. But like, I don't know, let's complicate the character a little bit more because he wasn't so cut and dry in the comic book either. So I don't know. It just drops the ball on that. The final thing I'll say really quickly is that Tony Stark invented time travel in the last movie or the last Avengers movie, basically. Discovered. True. Discovered. How do you discover something like, like, everything we know about physics is wrong according to this movie. Everything we know is wrong. Yeah, I see that. that, One of the things I do actually like about the comic books, and I guess when this is starting to happen with the movies, is I love conflicting logic like this. I love when you embrace that aspect. I, which I don't think the M. I think the MCU is going to try to probably overcorrect, is my guess, and like do some kind of reset or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I really think the best way to do these things with convoluted continuity is to you know really embrace that as just a fucking mess. Or make you know make light of it almost. I, I heard that's what they did with Loki, right? Kind of, somewhat, to some degree. Uh, yeah. I mean, so Loki sets up the idea that Kang was keeping the multiverse from being a multiverse on purpose because he knew that it would just lead to a multiversal war between him and every other version of Kang. And at the end, Loki basically undoes that. And so that's how the multiverse is a thing now, and it wasn't a thing before. I agree that they're probably heading towards Secret Wars with all of this. Oh, yeah, that Mm -hmm. makes sense, actually, yeah. And that they're going to, they are going to do that reset, and there is just going to be one universe moving forward, one timeline, etc. I still don't know how you get around a god hanging out. (laughs) I don't know. I just... I, I can't I can't get over it, and maybe it's just ye of little faith, but um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. Perturbed. I, th- I think part of the problem here might be that, like, we... There is now an expectation for all these movies to, like, and shows to connect and make sense together. And when something happens outside of that, it's like, what? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, it's it's hard... They've made it now impossible to watch any of these things outside of any context. That's actually one thing I liked about this one, actually. I think the last one of these I watched was uh, was Endgame. And even missing, you know, uh, you know, skipping a whole bunch of it. It seemed like it was kind of standalone. It's so convoluted that it doesn't really matter if you knew, knew it coming or not. You're, just, you're going to be confused either way. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it was overconnecting to that, which I, I, I'm actually kind of of the opposite perspective. I kind of think making it more low-key and experimental and, like, disconnected is kind of the way these things can be fun. 
Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, like the kind of shit I always loved in comics were like the one-offs, the you know, the weird shit. Um, I, I, I you know, like as, as a teenager, I really liked the, uh, you know, the Marvel ones that were set in the past or the reimaginings of, of you know, like the sixteen was it 04, I think. Uh, mm, it's ringing a bell. It's ringing a bell. Yeah, I think it was. It was. I think it might have been Neil Gaiman who did it for Gaiman. I, I never say his name right. Um, please don't assume Amanda Palmer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Amanda Palmer is uh, going to hear this. No, I, I, I think she's too busy on on some kind of Kickstarter tour, getting people to pay to be in her band or whatever. But it's it's <laughs> it's. <laughs> I think that there's going to be a point where people might get fed up with trying to keep up with all this, honestly. I think even like the hardcore fans, I can see it being kind of a breaking point at a certain point. It sounds like it's getting frustrating for you guys, you know, to sort of square it off. I think me more so than Jordan. Yeah. Because I just, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I just, it's hard because I just didn't like this one. And I feel, I don't feel bad about it, but I'm just like, I think what where Spider-Man annoys me <laughs> more than anything is feeling kind of like I have to defend it because I know that so much of the hate that it's getting is much more about the fact that there's a black gay guy in it. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and a woman directed it. And the presentation. And yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And it's like sucks. I like, you know. I'll, I'll say for me, it's definitely not even close to the worst Marvel movie. Like not even. No, close. no there's so no. many way worse ones. The first two Thor movies are like unwatchable. I, I, the no. first one's like, eh. Second one's unwatchable. Yeah, like, just, just truly yeah. awful. Dark World um, is truly the worst MCU movie by far. I, uh, I actually fucking hated Civil War. I really, really hated Civil War. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah, I'm I short circuited. That's that. I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just in the, in the dancery. Oh. It, it just like it just the the action. I felt all the action, and it was just like truly incoherent. It took a pretty mixed bag from the comics, and it, it shuffled it in a couple ways. We're like, okay, but like I also made it really, really bland. Mm. Do you like martial arts? I do like martial arts, and but I actually have heard that Shang Chi is kind of fun. I actually might end up watching that one. I, I think that Shang Chi is the best action in the entire MCU. That sells me on it. I've heard that for a couple other people too. It was like, yeah, that's, uh, there's actually some coherent action to it, which sounds, that sounds great. That's, that's all I ask of this stuff. If you're going to sell me on the premise of big dumb fights, give them to me. You know, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> I actually think you would also really like it because just like the Eternals, it feels very disconnected from the MCU other than okay. some, there, there's a cameo in the middle of it. And then there's the end credit scene where they, pretty solidly are like, okay, you're in the MCU now. Uh, <laughs> other than that, it is entirely divorced from every other MCU movie. It really has nothing to do with what's going on. I think they referenced Thanos and that's it. Which is fine. That's fine by me. Yeah, yeah I thought it was good. I really yeah. like Shang-Chi. I did. But this one, mm. to Cedric's point, I do wonder if we'll feel differently when we're watching it like at home. Well, I never would have watched radio. it at home because that would be illegal. Yeah, but if I were to hypothetically have to watch it at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did find that being able to, you know, in this hypothetical thought experiment, being able to pause would have been very helpful. Mm. And maybe in theory it was. Mm. <laughs> Just, for example, to cross-reference something to make sure you heard a name right or... Uh, <laughs> or to like rewind something because I don't know it was such a weird cut that you couldn't quite figure out what was going on. If you're you out know, here 
pausing movies, we might have to take your filmmaker status away. That's I, true. You, you know, that's that's blasphemous. You pause at a movie in the comfort of your home. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> I, I do think there are a couple moments where you could see what Zhao might have wanted to go for. It was kind of different. Like, I think if you, like, took out, like, the constant, you know, forced quips, maybe... That would have made a big difference on the tone, because like I always feel like a lot of the humor in Marvel just does not land for me, honestly. But at least it can usually like make sense sometimes. And like I, I liked, uh, I liked the first Ant Man. I thought it was pretty fun. But like here, it feels truly out of place, just in terms of the scale, in terms of like you know yeah. the relationships between the characters are trying to convey. I kind of feel like this is, and Jordan's gonna look at me funny when I say this. Hmm. I think it's the MCU's Yeezus era. <laughs> Thinking about talking about that album when it first came out, I didn't know if I liked it or hated it, but I listened to it like a hundred times and was like, huh, I don't know. And he's like, you know, trying to do new things. And I don't think most of it really worked out. And But you could like kind of hear like the old shit in there and you're like, uh, I don't know. And I just, I don't want to see the MCU go the way of all the awful albums that came after it. They're all awful. I will say, I would love to see them make a movie in like two weeks. That actually kind of pretty funny, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they've been working on this thing for a year, scrap the whole thing and just throw something together for two weeks. I think yeah. that'll be a good, yeah. I'm not... I'm not going to think of the labor connotations of that scenario at all. No, um, it's a complete but, thought experiment. Not yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, <sighs> just. <laughs> I don't think even the robots that will be doing our CGI very soon would be able to crank it out in two weeks. Oh, the oh my god! Be- imagine, imagine entirely like an AI image bot made Marvel movie. <laughs> that would that would rock. I would watch the shit out of that. I. I like with like those horrifying, like you know, nightmarish, like deep dream images, they would make for a much more visually compelling villain. Like, okay, that's one thing for me too. Like, I don't know how have they not figured out how to make a villain with an interesting visual design yet? Like all the even you can make a CGI villain look kind of interesting. The, these uh, I'm blanking on the name of what the um. The deviants. Because it doesn't even matter. Um, That's why. Yeah. It's exa- exactly. <laughs> the one movie like people pretty much universally agree is like really good out of these all these movies is, is Black Panther because it actually has like definition to the characters and like a villain with a memorable like feel to him and like complex but like understandable motivations. Uh, it's You're going to like, like Shang-Chi. Okay. Yeah. It's It's – I'm I'm trying to keep my crank head off as much as possible. Like even even with like Black Panther, I have like severe issues with the politics and it's some of it. Like, you know, it's I I did appreciate this. It was kind of nice having a Marvel movie where the CIA did not come in or like you know the, or Shield or whoever or the fuck. None of them really came in to interfere uh, or save the day or whatever. You don't have you know fucking CIA Hobbit you know being the the, the friend <laughs> of everybody. Uh, That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Not CIA. That was it. that was that was that was a little bit of a low blow. Ooh. Yeah. Martin Freeman's a very good actor. <laughs> it's, 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 but uh the Marvel for me has a problem on, on a narrative level where almost very few of its villains feel very compelling yeah. or have much definition to them. And a lot of its heroes feel like 
they gloss over some very aspects that if they at least explored them a bit would be interesting. Mm. Anyone who couldn't agree with that before the Eternals can't deny it after the Eternals because we literally have a primary villain who we don't have a name for. They try to characterize slash humanize, even though the immortals are robots. Like that whole thing just didn't make any sense at all. And it was weird that they like gave it a face and stuff and then pretty unceremoniously killed it. Like it just, just make Icarus the villain. That should have been the only villain. And I don't see why the rest of the CGI fights couldn't have been mindless monsters that just got reactivated because of the thing. I I guess you can't as easily push Selma Hayek over a cliff, but like, why not? I I don't know. I I feel like you still could. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't seem to have any powers other than healing. So whatever. I I just, I have some gripes. I I didn't even expect to be this negative when we sat down to talk about it, but I guess I really didn't. I, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. That's how, you know. You get, we got to keep it real. We are critical because we we love the MCU, <laughs> and that's okay. My last point is I'm fucking tired of Disney talking about sex scenes, and and oh, yeah. then not one gyration, not a booty cheek. Why was, was the sex scene not Fastos and his husband? That's that what was I like a see. lifetime grade <laughs> sex scene. <laughs> Those were the sexes that they were making in the fucking, like, 70s. Like, <laughs> I just want to see Brian T. Henry and his husband make that clock. Like really just heavy petting, really. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't even remember if it was Cersei and Icarus or Cersei and Black Knight. No, it was Cersei and Icarus. I, I don't even remember. Look. Yeah, and it, I, was it was a flashback, flashback right? It was, it was a flashback, flashback, you know, right after they sat on on one of multiple genocide stations, <laughs> <laughs> which like it's got me hot I, and barely I, I, heavy I over it, here. Let's I go. Can't, <laughs> I can't believe we didn't haven't even gotten to that part yet, where it's like you know, it's just like you know, they're just chilling at you know, and then I I it's you know obviously it's clear what they're going for they're like you know clearly be like you know they're these powerless agents of ultimately malevolent force they don't realize it yet and they're you know wrestling with their limitations yada 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 but it just felt like not not a single beat of it landed it felt so deeply miscalculated in every single way and then i thought brian terry's henry did a really good job with what he was given but man was he dealt a bad fucking hand having to be the guy kneeling in the wreckage of Hiroshima. Um, a scene I that no matter, no matter how you try to write it, I think just, it, it just feels so tone deaf. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. And, and I have to say, I'm pissed on two fronts. I'm pissed at Disney for putting that character and him in that position, first of all. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's pretty fucked up too, if you think about it for even more than a couple seconds. It's like, it's, 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 I also just, Need to pause for a moment. I think it's hilarious that you're blaming Disney specifically and not Marvel, but okay. Well, what's the difference? And then yeah. also, okay, okay, okay. Also, <laughs> I'm pretty annoyed because I went into the movie hearing about this, thinking that like he literally dropped the bomb or something like that on Hiroshima. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like blaming Eli Whitney for a car crash. It doesn't make sense. Like. He helped them technologically, but that's like, I, I don't know. 
I get what they're going for. I think it's super reductive for people to go around and say, oh, they made the black guy be responsible for Hiroshima. But also, the script tries to make that point extraordinarily inelegantly. And it's just dumb. The whole thing is dumb. I I hate it. It it, it feels weird. It feels like it was assembled from a checklist. Like, and not in the way I usually mean about, like, not in the way I mean, like, in the Marvel, like, in, like, vertical marketing integration. Like, it feels more like the checklist someone would make, like, if they had a very reductive idea of what a good, grand, sweeping epic should be. Yes. Like, it technically hits all the beats of it, but not a single, like, it's like, it's like the entire thing feels out of tune. Yeah. You know? I'll just say this. I want to see the Zao cut. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see the version without the jokes. I want to see the version yeah. where, like, you know, like we don't just drop in on Hiroshima and like maybe there's some stuff that happens before that that like gives some depth to that one lone scene that makes no fucking sense on its own. If he wasn't participating in the Manhattan Project, it was bullshit to do that to him. As yeah, because like it was, it was, it was very unclear. The movie did not. The movie was very vague. It left enough to make it think, well, was he in the Manhattan Project? But the way it read and felt read more like, like by like giving mankind technology, you know, he was responsible, which, you know, that's a stretch. Yeah. If, if you actually spent any time exploring that at all, it would have been interesting. But here's the thing. Like, why not make fucking, uh, you know, off-brand Superman do, do that? Because that fits with his character's arc. Exactly. It spreads so thin that... It feels like you're getting a single part of the arc for every single one of these characters, and it just like lands a thud. I at first I kind of admired that it was like not lingering too long and explaining any of them, but then it just became clear they just didn't have time. Um, yeah. It's a two and a half hour movie that manages to simultaneously feel rushed and unfathomably long. <laughs> Yes. Which is an, an impressive feat, just like locks you out of time and space itself. Um, like, mm. I really did want to come into this with some generosity because I feel like I have hated on these things for so long that I it's like kind of one note. And like when it started to get the, you know, the rotten tomatoes, like I'm being the knee jerk you know, person I am. I'm like, now I want to, now I want to think it's good. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> no it just, it's, it, it, it's just a slog. It's a yeah. slog that still feels incomplete and like, and also, yeah, and the, the all the all the hype of the sex scene stuff just feels like like I I would prefer this movie was sexless. It was it was like watching like uh, Barbie and a Ken doll rub together. You know, it's just kind it's of actually kind of funny. They hyped the sex scene like they hyped Anderson Cooper being the first openly gay character. Yeah, and but if wait, <laughs> they did, did. You say Anderson Cooper? Yeah. What? Yeah, when Anderson Cooper was in, he played a news, he played himself basically in one of the MCU films. I can't remember which one. Well, I, I thought they also and, claimed that um one of the Russos. Yeah, that was after. Group, that was, was also, but, okay. <laughs> Anderson Cooper was the first. And I remember that was like a big like, oh, <laughs> he's the first one. I thought you were going to compare it to the quote unquote gay kiss in the third Star Wars debacle. Oh, and God. I still am livid that I did not get to see John Boyega and Oscar Isaac's kiss. 
They filmed it. I know they. I know they filmed it. They filmed it either in front of a camera. I know they filmed it. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm very glad Star Wars is coming into this because I actually think there's a really interesting parallel to be made here as well with The Last Jedi. And it's not going to be like one's good, one's bad. I, I, I did obviously enjoy The Last Jedi quite a lot more. I thought like out of all the Disney and Marvel and Star Wars movies, I, again, have a pretty supremely negative feeling towards generally. You mean Rise of Skywalker, right? No, oh, of course, yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's a, no, I mean, no, I, mean, I, um, I was making sure. Last Jedi, yeah, 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 no, yeah. For the Last Jedi, like definitely the most enjoyable one, and similarly like, has that similar hype cycle of like you know Ryan Johnson's bringing his vision or whatever. The, the two interesting things to note are first one that you know obviously it's definitely apparent that regardless of how you think of this movie, there is still like a difference in the way people approached it because of who Chloe Zhao is versus who Ryan Johnson is, of course, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like, you know, background, like, you know, there's obviously like a lot of biases that absolutely came into play with that and with how it was, it was marketed, I think too, honestly. Mm. But I think even for me, where it gets to with me with both, even though I would argue that I enjoyed my time with the last Jedi and that didn't with Eternals, they're still fundamentally like depictions of the same problem with these franchise movies, with these big, consolidated juggernauts of IP and what both mm. these things that were came from fun origins have become, I think, in that working within these spaces, working within these IPs and within the, the Disney approach, for better or worse, regardless of what kind of vision you might be bringing to it, a lot of it's just going to get kind of snuffed out, I think. Because yeah, I mean, that's- it's ultimately in conflict with what the mission of these films are. Right. Yeah. I would almost prefer that they just decide moving forward that they're just going to replicate what they've been doing and I get to go enjoy a popcorn movie for two hours and feel like I'm a kid again. And and that's all I ever want out of these. I don't need them to be Oscar-winning films. I don't need that. But if they want to do that, you got to let these directors just do their shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, hashtag release the Zowcut needs to be <laughs> needs to be trending. The, the anthem. <laughs> it needs to be the anthem. And I I oh. want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I, I don't know if you if you've ever read the, you know, Lucretia Martel, the the you know, the acclaimed director of stuff like Zama, was offered one of these, you know, one of the movies, and she turned it down when she like part in part because she found out like she would have basically no say over directing the action scenes whatsoever. Which, first of all, if you approach someone like like Bartel or like Zhao, these you know accomplished, acclaimed directors, and off the bat, what you're coming to with is like, yeah, you can't do the action. But I don't know if that arrangement held true with Zhao. I think it seems like the public note, at least, is not that, that that's not the case. But it certainly mm-hmm. looks like that was the case because it looks the same as all the other ones uh, in that capacity. So like, it, it, it's hard to it's hard to feel like even if yeah, some of her tonal choices more it doesn't it didn't seem like those even got to get filmed like it seems like in the script it kind of got pushed into that direction anyway as with the sort of more crippy back and forth whiplash tone but like even so like it's hard like if she doesn't even get the whole movie to direct like again it's you know i don't feel infinite sympathy because like you know obviously she's getting paid a shitload of money to do this you know if you sign that contract with disney you got you got to know to some degree what you're getting into but still, like it does seem like they offered her, or at least the, what they sold as offering her, set her up for disappointment no matter what this was. Yeah. I just hope that she's at least allowed to make the sequel. They were very bold 
inputting the Eternals will return at the end of the movie. I shouldn't even say bold. They have these things planned out for the next 40 years probably. But like, <laughs> you know, I, I I hope that she gets to write the ship and that maybe that debrief meeting with Feige is like, this is what the fuck I told you from the beginning. Let me do my shit. You know, now, now that we've established what you wanted me to establish, can I actually make a movie here? That would be nice. Yeah. Again, cars on the table. I'm I'm personally rooting for the for the full financial collapse of the Walt Disney Company. But it's <laughs> but <laughs> that aside, because that's not gonna happen. Um I, I I hope first of all she goes goes and does something else. You know, even though I again I have severe issues with Nomad Land, you know, from both I felt like I was kind of kind of felt like it was a little blah as a movie overall, but also just for like the production circumstances and how she cooperated with Amazon to film in the warehouses while having this portrayal of Amazon that was not hypercritical, really, um, to say the least, was kind of, <laughs> it left a weird taste in my mouth. I wouldn't say it was like malicious because like it wasn't positive on Amazon either, but like it was just kind of valence neutral. And like, you know, they're notoriously very secretive about like people with cameras into their premises because of the horror of high work conditions at every single one of their warehouses. Um, but clearly she has a good eye and the writer's incredible. The writer's great. Um, so I, I I would like to see her do something else, but it is cool. Like seeing her have a budget is cool. I would like to see what else she could do with, you know, a nice sort of like a wide resources. I, I agree with you. Like I kind of think when these things are more like popcorn movies, I, I, I can have more fun with them, honestly, myself too. It, it feels right. better for everybody involved. Cause this whole thing with like, I don't know. Again, there's like a definitely as movie theaters are collapsing around the country and Disney buying out massive screenings for all its properties are, are and, and you know, War, uh, Warner brothers and legendary and all them doing the same for their stuff too. And muscling out mid range films entirely from existence, basically. Um, which, you know, it's not all of them. That's the yeah. stream. The rise of streaming is a humongous role in that. Netflix is equally, if not more culpable, maybe, the problem now is with these movies trying to stake this claim to, oh, these are high art too. It not only is completely missing the mark in that capacity as we've seen in this with this movie, it feels like just like, you know, sort of rubbing, rubbing the face in the dirt. Like you already fucking won. Mm. The movie theaters are dying. We're going to see the end of them in our lifetime. Like at least, at least as like a thing that is other than like a niche thing. It, yeah. it, it There's no way especially with the COVID's proved people are just content watching shit at home. And understandably think about like this era of discontent versus like the, you know, the early eighties or, or in late seventies, which spawned all this weird shit. We're not getting anywhere near the same amount of that, even though we're constantly told that there's more opportunities to make your shit than ever, you know, and it's quote unquote cheaper than ever, but like everyone's attention is drawn so thin. There's still a few places to opportunities for like any kind of, weird stuff to get backing at this point. So it's, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard when they market a movie like Eternals and present it as like some kind of statement and like shove in your face, all the same things that you see offered to like more art that, you know, it's like made in a very different circumstance and with a very different yeah, intentions yeah. of what they want on the returns from it. And I'm not. I'm not trying to pretend that the movie industry is some pure kind of thing. It's ultimately to some degree it's the same thing. It's always been a, a selling a product. It's always been driven by profits. It's not like film was this like pure innocent beauty. Like there's been a lot of bullshit the whole time, and a lot of awful conditions, and a lot of illicit funding and steamrolling of creative stuff. 
it's impossible not to admit that it's there's very little to see in theaters besides the big budget stuff. Like when something like Dune is being presented as the victory of like an alternative, like, you know, to the MCU, mm-hmm. it's like, it's mm-hmm. even that's bullshit. And I like Dune because that's still like a cinematic universe thing. It's still a big established property. I just want new right. shit. I want people to want to see new shit. I've been watching a lot of older movies in the background while I work yeah. recently. And one of the things that's really stood out to me is how unpredictable many of them are in a way that is not true about anything I watched today. I watched three days in the Condor just the other day for the very first time. Hell yeah. And I was shocked at how that movie ended. You couldn't do that today. I just don't think that that movie would be made in this decade. And I was like blown away by how much I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, minus the, the weird Stockholm syndrome, sexual assault thing. Um, but (laughs) overall, I totally agree with you. And frankly, that's why I wanted you to come on because I think for the most part, we are very content in our fanboyness over the MCU. And it's very much, you know, removed from the reality of what these films are impacting outside of themselves, which you've just presented very succinctly. And I agree, there's really no denying the impact that this has had in a negative way on the the medium overall, and especially the way that the Walt Disney Corporation has essentially forced movie theaters to only show their movies and all that other kind of stuff. It's, it's just a racket at this point. And as much as I enjoy it and have always been kind of, you know, clear that it's a problematic fave type situation. Um, it's important to to remain grounded in that reality and also the way that uh, there's real material harm in some ways that are being done to people's livelihoods and uh, unionized folks and how they're being replaced now that CGI is so prominent and things like that. It, there's just such a can of worms at the end of this tunnel. And so... I figured it would be a good time to talk about that considering the movie itself wasn't even good enough to, 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 to be excited about. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> the movie was not good enough for us to not remember all this. Yeah, shit. You can just leave the blanket. The, the movie was not good enough. And just any, anything will fit after that. Um, it it kind of just misses the mark, but I, I, I sort of the inverse. Like, yeah, I know I'm a, I, I'm a crank about this stuff, but I also, again, I don't want these bad movies. I, I if, if if these are the movies people watch and everyone's going to have the chance to see the most, I would like them to be good and have interesting things going on. And I know that these stories, as much as there are some lots of stuff tied up in the politics of superheroes and American culture in general, they can still be compelling and entertaining. Because I've I've read and in some cases seen like a lot of compelling superhero stuff. It's it can be done well. And not only that, like I'm also happy for anyone who enjoys them as they are. Because like I enjoy a lot of stuff that like. You know, there's a lot of like issues with it, or it's like you know, the same thing over and over again. Like I, I play a trading card game for children. I appreciate what any ever anyone's into, even if I'm not, if I don't like it. As long as everyone just like the only the only plea I'll make to to people who are hardcore into the MCU is to just sometimes consider buying a ticket for something else and sneaking into. Well, I guess you can't even do that anymore because of fucking COVID. That's what I. That's what I used to do. Like when I see MMC, I, I would buy a ticket to something else and then go into the Marvel movie because I guess the, Mar- the money, the money goes somewhere else then. Because like, yeah. Well, 
Disney I just, officially cannot condone that's, that. No, that's fair. But I'm not going to cut it out either. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be there. So I don't <laughs> listener, do what you will. Forward that. it directly to the to the authorities. <laughs> I'll condone it. Um, that's fine. I, 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 Steal from Disney. That's no. good. That's good. As far as yeah. I'm concerned. I sincerely respect I anyone. I, I respect that you guys enjoy it and I respect anyone who, who likes it. Like, you know, it's, it's, I wish they did new things with it, you know, and I wish they changed their approach to action entirely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hoped I would be wrong with my expectations of this movie. I really did. Honestly, I love being wrong when I have a negative expectation of a movie. That feeling whenever you like think a movie's gonna be bad and it's great is one of the best feelings in the world. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it rocks. It's so good. It's did not experience that. Yeah. <sighs> oh well. Well, I think we have exhausted uh all that there really yeah. is to say about the Eternals. We we probably could keep going about some more of the mundane plot points, yeah. but and at boy, this point, howdy I feel are there like many. It's pretty I feel like our feelings are pretty clear. Donald, thank you so much for coming on and spending your time with us and and enlightening us in many ways. Thank you both for having me. This is a blast. Actually, I did have one last question for you guys before. question for us? Oh. I I would be curious, especially because you guys come from perspective as fans, like what would be the one-off movie you'd make for this universe? Like standalone. One thing I do like about the people who, you know who are in the Marvels, I appreciate the zeal. Like I, people who get excited about stuff, I, I I really appreciate that excitement, even if I don't share, even if I have an active ire for some, some for some of stuff. Like I I I think it's important actually to not let feelings about the art spread over to. The, I think it's really cool. People come up with like cool ideas from like you know, fan fan stuff from these kinds of things too. So I'm like I'm always like interested in that kind of thing. And also, I totally have one. I have one right off the yes. cuff. Okay. I already have mine. Oh, too, hell yeah. You can go first. No, you, please. I would want to see, and I, this could only exist really in a universe where Spider Man finally grows the fuck up. Uh, but I would love to see a Scarlet Spider Ben, Ben Riley? Ben O'Reilly? Fuck, what is his name? Well, one of them. <sighs> whatever. Ben, whatever. Ben. White guy last name. Not uncle. <laughs> uncle. Um, I think it would be interesting to see a like not Peter Parker. Like, I think it could you could do some like really interesting identity stuff there. I think you could do some really interesting, like introspective, not super crazy action kind of stuff. Like I would love like just like a dramatic Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be kind of cool. I wonder if that's the one that Olivia is gonna make. <laughs> oh, maybe. Perhaps. Um, I doubt it. But maybe (laughs) (laughs) my default is Miles Morales. I just, I love Miles Morales. However, I think that the game that just came out is great great. and (laughs) scratches that itch for me. I want to see a movie where Storm was adopted in the United States and goes back to Africa and deals with that. that. That rules. That's actually, that's a really good hook. I I want Storm to be an American who goes back to Africa and meets her extended family, and one of them is a villain, actually, and she has to deal with that shit. And it's just a solo Storm yeah. movie. That's what I want. Ooh, I, I I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, X Men were like the ones I really liked reading the comics too. Like that's that's the yeah, that's some OG bread and butter. Yeah. The one I want to do is uh is uh you ever read uh Marvels the the one where it's following the 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 photographer 
as he's like, yeah, yes. that's like, that's like the, that, that was the one that I read that like, I was like obsessed with that, that and also on the DC tag kingdom come. Like I, I fucking loved the Ross and Wade stuff. Like, it, you know, it's, it's, it has actually real potential. I think if they want, if, if they yeah. want to take another stab at making the prestige one and they wanted to do it well, I think that's the one you do. Like that's, that's, that's such a, it's such a compelling perspective and it sort of fixes all the problems they have with this universe by grounding it. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked before about wanting an anthology series that's like during the snap that has nothing to do with superheroes. Yeah. And and that sounds very much in the same vein. Yeah. Did you know that they turned that into an audio drama? Really? I did not. Yeah. It, it's on, it was produced by Stitcher. It's on Every podcast app now, it was exclusive to Stitcher for a while. They did turn Marvels into an audio drama, and it was very that, good. That actually rules, and I wish I knew that before I canceled Stitcher last month. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, it's free on, on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, I, I got I got it to I'm listen sure to a uh, blowback, and I like you know I forgot to cancel it for a couple months, and then finally, um, <laughs> but oh, man, uh, I I will have to check that out. I, I I did I really really liked Marvels a lot. And that's something I think will be a cool angle there. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, it was fun getting to talk about this, even with my complex feelings about all these things. You know, it was a, I'm weirdly glad I watched it, even if it was a, you know, <laughs> a slog. And I wouldn't really recommend yeah, it to anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you for thank you for coming on. And uh, if folks would like to follow you on Twitter, you are I am at Boringstein. That's yeah. Uh, there you go. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> really, uh, really feel good about that that Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Kingo. Uh, and, uh... Right. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll be back with a regularly scheduled episode sometime next week, depending on when this comes out. Cedric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adios. Mm-hmm. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>